Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, Bethany family. How good to have you here for worship today. And I want to express my gratitude to all those who participate in helping us worship together. For Chris, behind the scenes, producing, filming, editing, and getting it all together, but also for all the readers, singers, instrument players, you help us worship so well. Thank you so very much. This preaching series is based on the spiritual gift list found in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I have come over the years to call this the motivational gift list. I believe these gifts of the Holy Spirit are what motivate us to various types of unique involvement and action in our Christian life. They're not something we possess. They're something that motivate us to do. And I believe that each Christian has, as a primary gift of the Holy Spirit, one of these seven gifts listed. Here's a summary of what I've presented thus far. In Romans 12:6, we speak about the gift of prophecy. The person with the primary gift of prophecy perceives God's will, and spends a considerable part of their time in intercessory prayer for his will to be done. The perceiver is like a compass, but instead of pointing north, the perceiver points toward God, God's vision, God's direction, God's will, and most importantly, God's Son. In Romans 12:7, we have the gift of service. The person with the primary gift of service readily sees need and responds with practical help to meet that need. In each case of the gifts thus far, the person sees in a certain way or with a particular focus and then does something because of what they see. This pattern of seeing, then doing, continues in the third gift in the list, the text for this morning. Romans 12, 7, part 2, the gift of teaching. The person with the primary gift of teaching sees truth, wants others to know and to experience that truth in their lives. What the teacher does is to express that truth in such a way that others will understand it and desire that it be applied in their life. Pray with me as we learn together about the Holy Spirit gift of teaching. Holy Father, teach us the ways of your heart and your mind. Open my mouth today to declare your truth. Open all of our ears to hear your voice only. Open our hearts to receive your love. Open our lives to do your will. In these moments, and from these moments forward, have your way with us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Greek word translated teaching is didasko, and it simply means to give instruction. There are many teachers throughout the Bible, as well as many teaching moments. For today, I want to introduce us to one of the teachers, and perhaps one that you haven't heard much about. His name? Apollos. I want to identify five things about a spiritually gifted teacher. There are two texts. First, from Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24. Listen to these words. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos 
a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Upon arriving, he was great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. End of reading. The first thing I think we learn in Acts 18 from Apollos, a spiritually gifted teacher, is that a teacher presents truth in a logical, systematic, and understandable way. Verse 24, Apollos was a learned man. In classic Greek and Roman culture, a learned person was a logical person. That is, their way of thinking and organizing information made sense. If they painted a picture with words, you would be able to see the picture clearly. If they outlined a plan, you would remember the points in the order they were given. They were memorable. Logic was a core course in both the Greek and Roman educational system. Now, we don't have any specific examples of Apollo's teaching stuff, but all indications lead us to believe that he was very much like the Apostle Paul. Organized, logical sequence of facts substantiated by Scripture could easily be outlined and consistent. In part, the rivalry that developed between the followers of Paul and the followers of Apollos came about not because they were so different from each other, but because they were so much alike. It's important to remember that Apollos was a teacher primarily among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish followers of Jesus. The culture of Apollos' classroom was Greek and Roman. On the other hand, we find Jesus to be a teacher more in keeping with the Hebrew culture. The facts or truths of Jesus' teaching are discovered in the stories he told. Instead of just simply telling the people that God loved them, Jesus told them the story of God's love and the parable of the prodigal. Instead of telling the people point by point how to build their lives, Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount and then at the end said this, If you build your life on what you've heard today, you'll be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. If not, then you'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. In either case, the storms will come, but only one of those houses will be able to stand the storm. That story is at the end of Matthew chapter 7. A second thing we learn from Acts 18 from Apollos, a Holy Spirit gifted teacher, is that a teacher validates truth by checking out the facts. In verse 25, we read, that Apollos taught about Jesus accurately. Apollos had not been present during Jesus' ministry life. What Apollos needed was to learn from others who were with Jesus about what he taught and what he had done. Because the New Testament scriptures were not yet written, it was essential that Apollos find reliable sources for his information. 
His information could also be validated or challenged by those who were still living and had been with Jesus and his disciples. In verse 26, we discover that Apollos was teachable so that he could explain the way of God more accurately. As we look in verse 26, we find that Apollos is being challenged, not in the accuracy of his teaching, but in its completeness. There was information he did not yet have. Thus, we find him being taught by Priscilla and Aquila. His desire for completeness in his teaching was apparent. Apollos was hungry for more truth. A family in a former church I served had a pet ferret. I don't know if you know much about ferrets, but this creature always seems to be looking for something, always on the move, nosing about everything, looking under this and under that, checking out pockets, nosing up pants legs, you name it, ferrets do it. The word ferret, however, not only means a name of an animal, it also means to search out. This is what a person with the gift of teaching is always doing. Like a ferret, a teacher is always ferreting out the information for the truth. I believe that Jesus' disciple Thomas had the gift of teaching. You see, teachers want to be sure that what they believe and accept is based on fact. That is what drove Thomas to question what the other disciples were saying until he personally could see Jesus and the marks of the crucifixion on his resurrected body. I'm not saying that if you're a doubter, you must be a teacher. But I am saying that a teacher will seriously question those things that do not make sense or are not yet verified, and then will proceed to investigate in order to find truth. A third thing we learn in Acts 18 from Apollos, a Holy Spirit-gifted teacher, is that a teacher believes that Bible study is foundational to all the spiritual gifts. In verse 24, Apollos had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, which at the time was the Old Testament. Verse 27, Apollos was eager to help the believers to grow. Verse 28, Apollos effectively proved from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. You see, teachers are, first of all, students, and Apollos was a student of the scriptures. Later, as the Apostle Paul began to write his letters, we find a section in his second letter to his disciple Timothy, in it a most helpful description of the work of a teacher. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A teacher rebukes, that is, points out what is not correct, what is not true. A teacher corrects, that is, points out what is true. And a teacher trains in righteousness, that is, right thinking, right speaking, right living, and right relationships, so that every good work can be thoroughly accomplished. The Holy Spirit gifted teacher recognizes that the study of Bible is essential to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he distributes in the church. Here's what a teacher would say about each of these seven gifts in Romans 12. How can the perceiver, the prophet, know God's will accurately unless there is solid understanding of God's will as revealed 
in the Bible. How can the server serve well if not acquainted with and shaped by the teaching and the doing of service as found in the Bible? And especially to know Jesus who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. How can the teacher ever teach unless the Bible is thoroughly studied and applied in their own life? How can the encourager be effective unless the Bible is known and they have received the encouragement that God provides through it? How can the giver be generous without the biblical guidelines for generosity in all things being understood and practiced? How can the leader be effective unless he or she understands God's leadership style for the church as revealed in the Bible, which is servant leadership? How can the compassionate bring God's compassion and love to bear if they have not encountered the compassion through the words of Scripture and the action of the Holy Spirit in their lives? The study and the application of the Bible, Old and New Testaments, is paramount to the effectiveness and authenticity of the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. A fourth thing we learn in Acts 18 from Apollos a Holy Spirit-gifted teacher, is that a teacher has strong convictions and opinions based on diligent research of the facts. Verse 25, Apollos spoke with great fervor. Verse 26, Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Verse 28, Apollos vigorously refuted the Jews in public debates. Teachers have a confidence a boldness, and strong opinions because they've done their homework. They've investigated and found the truth, the facts. Being opinionated is not the key. Investigating, fact-checking, that's the key. A Holy Spirit-gifted teacher will have many, many books. And here's what's unique about them. They will have read them. A fifth thing we learn about a Holy Spirit-gifted teacher is found in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. In this verse, Paul identifies Apollos and more importantly describes how disciples, another word for teacher, works. Paul writes, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow, 1 Corinthians 3.6. A teacher is often part of a team, all of whom are under the giftedness of God who makes all things grow. It's like this. God makes the seed. That's creation. A teacher helps to prepare the soil of a person's life, their receptivity to the seed. The same or another teacher plants the seed of God in that person's soil. The same or another teacher tends the planted seed with nutrients and water, but God makes the seed to grow. I'm a teacher, primarily. I know I haven't been able to do much teaching at all here at Bethany, more preaching and administration and helping guiding the process of transition. But as a teacher, I know that there are potential shortcomings or flaws in our lives that we especially need to be aware of. And with God's help overcome as the Holy Spirit gifted teachers we are intended to be. First one is this. Teachers can develop a know-it-all attitude. Because of the overwhelming desire for truth, a teacher can often view other teachings and teachers with suspicion. 
will raise doubts about what is said, will challenge the points made, or even, sadly, dismiss what they hear. The questioning can turn into such suspicion, and the suspicion can easily turn into cynicism. It is easy for a questioning and challenging way to get out of hand quickly and become a know-it-all attitude. This attitude can infect and undo students' learning from such a teacher, even if what they teach for the most part has been spot on. A second shortcoming and potential flaw is that teachers can tend toward legalism or what's called dogmatism and ultimately judgmentalism. We see this often in the Gospels, as the Pharisees, the teachers of Israel in the day of Jesus, consistently sought to discredit and undermine their own people, including the Messiah Jesus who had come. Their rules and regulations had become more important than the people who God loved. Their judgment, including punishment and death, was more acceptable than finding a way for love and reconciliation to restore. Their nitpicking of minutiae in other people's lives constructed a wall between people and God. Their self-appointed arrogance gave a totally false picture of the God who made them and called them and loved them and forgave them and longed for them to be his people. They knew the laws, but not the love. They knew the boundaries, but not the compassion. They were not the Holy Spirit-gifted teachers God intended for his people. To this day, there are still teachers who do more damage to the truth about God by their self-appointed arrogance and dismissiveness of any who disagree with them. Teachers like this do not spread the gospel of love, the gospel of help, the gospel of hope, and the gospel of justice in our world. I want to tell you one experience. It happened last Sunday. Our youth pastor, Ali Corvo, was asked to come and preach at the Evangelical Covenant Church in Springfield. It was a good service. It was a marvelous sermon by Ali. But the thing that stuck with me the most, even though her sermon was incredibly organized, spot on with the scripture and its interpretation, clearly filled with examples of how it had been acted out in her life or she'd seen it acted out in other people's lives, it was about God's provision. But what I came away with more than anything was that young woman knows the God she's talking about. That's the kind of teachers that are spirit-filled and spirit-gifted. Allie is such a person. I conclude this morning with how one of us as Christians might become, each one of us as Christians might become apt at teaching. Because the truth is, every single one of us have people in our lives who are learning from us by what we say and how we live. We are being observed and we are being heard. People are watching. So how can we become apt at teaching? Three quick things. Number one, pray that God will give each of us a passion to study. The Holy Spirit gift of teaching is really that of a listener, an observer, a researcher, a student. The passion for the study of God's word is paramount. Pray for God to fill you with a passion for that. Second, pray that God will help us see the loving truth 
of the scriptures. The truth is, God loves us and wants us all to be saved. The truth is, being saved is something only Jesus can do if we will let him. The truth is, Jesus' death is what covers our sin. And the truth is, Jesus' resurrection is what gives us a whole new life. That's the truth. Pray that God will help us see the loving truth of the scriptures. And third and finally, pray that God will help us to express truth in ways people will understand and and want to apply to their lives. To express it by our behavior first and foremost. To live in such a way that honors God and draws people to him. It's what I've always called being a good news person. To express it by our words. Honor Jesus and speak of his help and hope in our lives. To express it through our community of faith. In other words, to express it through our church, through Bethany. As we care for each other, as we care for those in our community, we give examples to the truth about God and his love for all people. There is no person who is not loved by God. No person. And God has called us to himself so that we might partner with him in extending his love to all people. And teachers help us to understand that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a loving God who teaches us by your example. Thank you for your son Jesus, who came teaching and loving so that we might be rescued and redeemed. Thank you this morning for the remembrance of Holy Communion, where we once again act out the love of your Son with one another and for all people. Raise up Holy Spirit-gifted teachers in your church, in this church. Keep healthy and vital those Holy Spirit-gifted teachers already raised up in your church, this church. And make us all more apt at teaching, eager to learn, willing to plant, delighted to water and nurture, and ecstatic at how you transform lives into the likeness of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.